You're listening to the St. John's Dumming Creek podcast. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister Kirk McKenzie. is from 2 Corinthians verses 8 and 9. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service, service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honour the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. In addition, we are sending with them our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous and now even more so because of his great confidence in you as of titus he is my representative our partner and co-worker among you as for you our brothers they representatives of the church and are an honor to christ Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that, so that the churches can see it. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you in Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, one of our political leaders needed to take a short trip from Melbourne to Geelong. But instead of taking the car like everyone else does, they decided to use taxpayer money to catch a helicopter instead. More recently, a number of companies have accepted JobKeeper payments from the government. This is so that during the struggles of the pandemic, people could keep their jobs while business was low. And yet this particular company laid off hundreds of employees whilst at the same time posting record profits to their shareholders. In the United States, there's plenty of pastors who are multi-millionaires, Christian pastors, who are multi-millionaires who on their own TV shows regularly press their viewers to continue to give financially to their personal ministries. Now, when you hear stories like this, I wonder how you feel. I'm guessing it's mostly negative emotions that are coming your way. You probably feel cynical about these stories, maybe even a little bit angry. Why? Because these are stories about selfish or greedy actions by people. And selfish people don't tend to inspire us. 
Greedy actions don't tend to fill us with happy emotions. It's quite the opposite. Generous people are inspiring. When people give sacrificially for others, that's what stirs us. That's what inspires us. And that's what our series is about at the moment. We're doing a three-part series on generosity, and this is part two. We're talking about generous giving from a Christian point of view. Uh, We believe that God is a generous God, and we believe that uh, those who follow him are called to be generous people. And in this particular series, we're focusing on the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, this is a letter written by Paul and Timothy, uh, mostly by Paul. He's definitely the senior writer, the loudest voice in this letter, to the Christians living in the city of Corinth, to the Corinthians. That's about 2,000 years ago. And they were collecting, or they were part of a group of Christians collecting a really big gift to help some fellow Christians in need. This gift uh, was really essential because the Christians in Jerusalem were experiencing persecution and they're experiencing severe poverty. And so the Christians in the surrounding cities, the surrounding areas, had agreed that they were going to collect a a big financial gift to help these guys out. They were in need and the others were going to help them out. And so in these chapters that we're looking at in this series, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, we learn a bit about this gift, uh, who was involved and how they were going about collecting it. And in today's passage, we learn that they were taking it very, very seriously. The way it was being collected Uh, was very much, um, it was a big exercise and there's a fair bit of detail given to us in the Bible reading today. For example, in chapter 8, verse 20, we read this. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. Liberal meaning it's very generous, as in this gift I've got here does not represent how big it is. Like it's a big gift. There's obviously a lot of money being collected as this team moves around from church to church, from city to city, collecting this big gift. So they want to make sure they get it right. The admin side of it needs to be squeaky clean. In verse 21, they say we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. So when people see how this operation's working, they, they want to say, well, this, is, this operation's got integrity. You know, the, the, there's, not, there's nothing sus going on here, no dodgy work at hand, no one skimming off the top, that this is a legit operation. Not only in the eyes of people, but also in the eyes of God who can see things that people can't see. So they really want to make sure that this is done properly uh, and with a lot of integrity. There's a whole lot of accountability going on here. And part of the way they do this is they're going to send three people along with the, with the team collecting who have obviously a really high reputation. Uh, one person mentioned is Titus. Now, we know a bit about Titus historically. We can learn about him in the New Testament. And he obviously had a very good reputation in the early church. And there's two other people who aren't named, but by their description, we can tell they've got a great reputation And the implication, you know, it's 2,000 years later, but the implication is the original readers would have known who they were talking about because of the way they were described. You know, if we were reading it back then, we would have gone, know who they're talking about. 
oh, they're sending those guys. All right, gee, they're really taking this seriously. They want to do this thing properly. So the accountability is high. And in our Bible reading today, accountability around this generous gift is a big theme. And it's a theme that we can definitely learn from both as individuals and as the church today. And in fact, we try and do this as a church ourselves uh, here at St. John's. So if you were to come to our annual meeting, which is coming up real soon, uh, which you can do online this year, then you'll have access to a bunch of documents that tell you how we've spent our money and how we plan to spend our money. The money that many of you have generously given to our church to help us do what we do. Because we want to be transparent in that. We want to be seen to uh, have integrity and um, accountability in the way we handle our money. So that's an important thing for Christians to, to do, to be trustworthy in the way we handle money. But the accountability that's talked about in this passage goes beyond just getting the admin right. That is very important. Uh, often when the admin's done well, we don't really notice. Things just go smoothly. But we sure do notice when it doesn't go right. <laughs> when the admin's done badly, things really can blow up. So that's important to get right, get the spreadsheets and all that sort of thing sorted and, and running well. But the accountability around generosity goes well beyond that in this particular passage. Have a look at chapter 9, verse 2. Paul says, I know your, uh, I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boast about, boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you in Achaia, which is the region that the Corinthians lived in, were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. So he's actually saying, hey, we know about your enthusiasm. You guys, you know, your vibe of generosity has been infectious. I've been telling other people about it, and they've just been like, whoa, this is the best. They've picked up the vibe as well, and it's caused them to be generous as well. It just sounds like a great situation. So the question is, well, is that enough to have this great level of eagerness, enthusiasm around generosity? Well, to help us think about that question, I'm going to show you a clip from a TV show called The Office. This is the United States version. And the main character of this show is Michael Scott. Now, he's a very enthusiastic character, uh, but that can sometimes put him in some sticky situations and some pretty awkward situations. In this scene I'm going to show you, the background to it is that 10 years earlier, he had visited a grade three class in a particularly poor uh, area of his city. So these kids were doing it tough, living in poverty, and he made a commitment to them, a very generous commitment, that if they were able to graduate high school, he would pay for their college tuition. That means university fees, which in America is extremely expensive. Anyway, 10 years later, he's invited to come to their class just before they graduate. Let's see what happens. Now, if you're not familiar with the office, just a warning, it doesn't go very well. Scott, I know you're a busy man and your schedule moves around a lot, but for all your generosity through the years, your tots, who are ready to graduate, thought it was time to give you a proper thank you. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make a dream come true. Hey, Mr. Scott, what 
Michael Scott. All right. Wow. Um, I am never going to forget today. Not a chance. I don't think I could ever give back to you what you have given me today. Who here's done something stupid in their lives? Like skipped out on study hall or mix up the difference between A-Gym and B-Gym, that sort of thing. Show of hands, anybody? Yes, a bunch of you, okay. Well, me too, I've done something stupid, which I would like to share. Um... Should we go? No, no, we're okay, it's a, it's a double period. Ah. All right. I came here today because I promised you tuition, and tuition is very valuable, but you know what's invaluable? Is intuition. You know what that is? That is the ability to know when something is about to happen. Does anybody out there have intuition? Know what's gonna happen next? Nobody? Okay, you're gonna make me say it. <laughs> all right. I am so proud of all of you. Derek and LaFerve and, and Ben and Ayana and Michaela and Nikki and Jason and I'm sorry, okay. So are spacing your name? I'm Zion, I'm Michaela's younger brother. Well, Zion, I am not going to be paying for your tuition. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to my main point, and that is that I will not be able to pay for anybody's tuition. I'm so, so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You lied to us. Yep. I lied to myself, too. I'm not a millionaire. I thought I would be by the time I was 30, but I wasn't even close. And then I thought maybe by the time I was 40, but by 40, I had less money than when I was 30. Maybe by my 50s, I don't know. I wanted to pay for your education. I really did. It was my dream. Some people have evil dreams, some people have selfish dreams. So Michael Scott had a generous dream, but zero follow through. He had enthusiasm, but he did not follow through. And Paul has the same concern about the enthusiasm for giving that the Corinthians have shown. He's very positive about their enthusiasm, no doubt about that. But in verse 3, he expresses some concern that maybe, possibly, they might go down the track of Michael Scott. He says, I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. 
He's wanting to make sure that they're ready to follow through on what they said they would do. Accountability, again, is a theme here. This is not about getting the admin right. This is about following through on what you said you were going to do. He continues on in verse 5 of chapter 9. He said, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. You see, Paul just understands people, I think, at this point. He gets humans. He gets how we are. The reality is, it's definitely the case for me, I know it would be the case for many of you, and that is that if people don't follow us up, we often don't follow through. You know, if you've ever tried to raise money for a worthy cause, you know this. You have to follow people up. People go, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I'll get involved with that. And they, they kind of mean it, but you need to follow them up. We need to be followed up about other things too, not just about giving money. That's just the way we are. Paul knows that, and so he's sending people to follow up, to help them to follow through on their commitments. I don't think he's assuming that the Corinthians were faking their generosity. They were genuine. They wanted to help these people in need, these people doing it tough. And so he's sending these guys who have a great reputation, obviously seem to be experienced, runs on the board, and helping these Corinthian Christians to actually be generous and not just feel generous. And that's probably the heart of what I want to talk about today, really. How can we actually be generous and not just feel generous? Because it's easy to feel generous. It's easy to feel like I, I want to be generous towards someone. I'm confident that everyone watching, that you have had those feelings, that when you've seen someone doing it tough, when you've seen someone suffering, when you've seen someone in need, that you have had a genuine desire to help them, to make a difference. When you've seen someone living homeless in our city, when you've heard about someone in outback Australia living in uh, poverty, when you've heard about people maybe living in the poorest parts of Asia who are dying from easily curable diseases, or people, you know, kids dying from starvation in Africa, when you've heard about that, when you've seen those stories or even visited those places, you've gone, how on earth can we allow this to happen? How can people live under these sort of circumstances? And even if I've got a lot or a little resources in my life, I want to make a difference in some way to the situation that these people live in. And absolutely, that's a genuine response. We're not You haven't faked that. I haven't faked that response. We want to make that difference. We want to express some sort of generosity towards these people to help them out. But the reality is often what happens is time passes and we forget. And people, maybe someone doesn't follow us up and then our old friends, selfishness and greed settle in and maybe in a month or a year or a few years, we might remember that time that we were moved to want to make a difference. But often the reality is we didn't follow through on that feeling. 
We felt generous, but we didn't quite work out how to be generous. Following through is actually really hard and it takes a lot of effort. And I've got to say, of all the things I've talked about with the Lord this year, this is the number one conversation we've been having, pre-pandemic included. You know, of all the things I've been chatting with him about, this is the topic that's come up the most. I tend to think of myself as a reasonably mature Christian and I've come to realise in this area of my life, I am immature. I've had a lot of generous feelings in my life and only very occasionally have I followed through. And I've got a lot of growth ahead of me and I'm realising that it doesn't just happen. Just feeling the right thing doesn't lead to a whole lot. And I need to make some changes. I'm in the process of that, talking with our family in making those changes and still realising, oh, those changes don't come easily either. It takes required effort day after day, week after week, month after month to implement them. It doesn't just sort of, can't click your fingers and make it happen. And as I've been grappling with this and talking with the Lord about it, one illustration stuck in my head. And this is not just like preparing for this talk. This is just a happy coincidence. It's a bit of a weird illustration, but I thought I'd share it with you. It comes from the 90s when I was in high school. For some reason, I kept seeing stories on the news from America of huge people, sort of people who were 300, 400 kilos heavy, uh, being craned out of their house and taken to the, ho to, to the hospital on a truck. Like they had to take a wall out and, a, and part of the roof off because they were so big. They were so big they couldn't move, they couldn't get off the couch. And so you'd go, oh, full on. Like these people are so unhealthy, obviously huge amounts of health problems for them. But my friends would get talking about these stories and we'd go, well, hang on. If they can't move, if they're so big they can't move, they've obviously got help. Someone's been helping them and feeding them and, and helping them to be this unhealthy. Yet there's been an enabler here who's enabled them to get to the size that they are, to be as unhealthy as they are. And I thought, okay, so th that happens on the flip side too, I think, for people who are really healthy, you know, exercise well and eat well and so on. They've often got enablers around them as well, people who exercise with them, invite them to join their sport team. They often live with people who eat healthy as well housemates, family, that sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, when it comes to health, you've usually got people around you who help you to make healthy choices or unhealthy choices. And I've come to realise the same thing is the case with money. And we need that, you know, as far as Christians and having fellow Christians, I think what we need is fellow Christians who help us to make generous choices and help us to resist selfish choices. You know, do we enable each other to, uh, you know, to feed our generous nature, which I believe we all have. Everyone watching has a generous nature inside, you know, going on inside. So do we enable each other and encourage each other to feed that generous nature or do we enable each other to feed our selfish nature, which let's be honest, we all have that going on inside as well. Let me tell you about a life group I was once in. 
This was a few years back, but uh, one of the guys in the group, great guy, he loved bike riding. And so he had a particularly uh, expensive bike, much more expensive than my bike here. And he then saw a deal for an even better bike. And it was a good deal for this particular bike. It was better than the one he had, and it was more expensive than the one that he had. And so he came to the group, and he wanted to hear his fellow Christians' thoughts on whether he should spend this amount of money on this new bike. And he told us the amount of money that the bike cost, and I was like, oh, whoa, I didn't even know you could spend that amount of money on a bike. It was a lot. Like some of you have cars that cost less than this particular bike. And so uh, he wanted to know people's thoughts. And my take on it was he really wanted us to talk him out of it. He thought it was probably too much. And he really wanted his fellow Christians to go, no way, man, you, know, that's, you don't need to do that. And I was kind of stunned when all bar a couple of people in the group you know, worked away around, gave him reasons why he should make this really expensive purchase. Bearing in mind he already had a really good bike with a way better than this one, and this is a good bike, uh, and only a couple of people suggested that maybe he could spend that very large amount of money on something else. Unfortunately, that particular life group, uh, I guess, enabled him to feed his selfish nature and didn't give him much reason to feed his more generous nature. So this is the challenge for us, isn't it? What sort of a culture are we going to have as a group of people who follow Jesus? Are we going to encourage generosity or are we going to help each other, you know, hold on to sort of more selfish decision-making? I got to thinking about it, and unfortunately, I think, honestly, I can count on one hand the amount of Aussie Christians who have deeply challenged me to be generous in the way I spend my money. Like, every Christian I know, if you said, should Christians be generous, would say, yeah, being generous is a good thing. Unfortunately, I think it's kind of stayed at that feelings level. And if, I, like, if I'm really honest about people who've like gone into any sort of detail and really pushed me in any way to seriously ask me, like, how do, how do you spend your money? Have you considered spending your money on someone other than yourself in any sort of profound way, in any sort of personal way, as I said, five or less people that I can think of? But if I was to think of the amount of excuses I've been given by fellow Christians to spend my money on myself, well, I quickly lost count trying to work that out. It's a disappointing situation to be in. I think that's the reality. We're a bit too much like our very wealthy culture in this area, a bit too much, maybe far too much like our wealthy culture in that area. Thankfully, I've had a number of overseas Christians, people coming from poorer countries, come and challenge me in really helpful ways. I'm very grateful for them. And we've got a lot to learn from our overseas brothers and sisters in this area. There is a fly buzzing around. Hopefully it's not a landing lens. got the camera lens and blocking things for you. I hope that we can be encouraged by the generosity of the early church in this passage because there's some fantastic generosity going on from these early Christians. I also hope that we can be challenged by the seriousness with which 
they took accountability around that generosity and the lengths that they went to to make sure they got that accountability right, not just in the admin area but in the follow-through of their, their generous promises as well. Serious accountability, serious follow-through. And I hope that in our church and in our just individual relationships, we can change the culture and the way we talk to each other uh, about money and the way we spend it, that we can feed each other's generous nature and that we can help each other resist our selfish nature. I'll just give you a warning on that. That won't come naturally. Uh, that's not just something that's going to suddenly click and happen uh, because we're not used to it. It's not, not something that probably has happened a lot in your life uh, and will take some adjusting to. Uh, as you try and bring that into your life group, uh, get ready for it to be a bit awkward, get ready for it to not flow. But it's absolutely worth doing because it's what Jesus was all about. And it's, generosity is just fundamental to what we believe. If we're just going to block that out as a conversation not worth having, then we are ruling out a huge part of what it means to be a Christian. It would be a ridiculous thing to do. And yet I think too often we actually do that. It's an insane thing to do, but we do it. And we should stop. And we should be prepared to deal with some awkwardness to have these conversations and to challenge each other in a helpful, honest loving, respectful, careful ways. Um, and I think that positive way of thinking of it, like let's feed each other's generous nature, that's a really a positive way to think about it um, so that it's not too much of a smackdown, like, you know, we're all hopeless, um, but really go, let's, let's see if we can be helping each other in that way. I think it's a great way to think about it. So I just want to say a prayer now uh, for us because this is a real challenge. As I said, I'm not great at it. It's something I'm, uh, this year I've, I feel like it's exposed a big weakness in my life um, that I want to get better at. So I appreciate as I pray for you that maybe you could pray for me uh, where you are. And uh, yeah, then we'll sort of finish up our teaching time with this prayer. So let's pray. Well, Lord, thank you for being uh, generous to us uh, in so many ways, and especially through your son, Jesus. And I'm aware, Lord, that um, as, pe- as I've gone through this talk, that probably a, a lot of people are getting a lot of thoughts going through their head, just as I did as I was preparing the talk. Um, maybe some people will be feeling guilty for things they have or haven't done during their life so far. And I, I just pray that you could remind us of your grace in, in this time, that uh, you love us Uh, deeply, whether we've done the right thing or the wrong thing in any particular situation that we've found ourselves in. Um, Just remember the cross, Lord, the the forgiveness that you offer us for those things that we have stuffed up. And so I pray that we won't finish our teaching time tonight filled with guilt or filled with a sense of failure or shame, but that we would be filled with a sense of hope because of Jesus and because of the filling of your spirit. So please fill us with your spirit right now and give us a sense of hope for the future, that we can live generous lives, that will make a difference and bring great things, particularly to those who are in great need. And Lord, I also pray protection on our thoughts. 
because I'm aware that some people may be having thoughts going through their minds right now, as I did when I went through the talk, just thoughts that I should be spending all my money on myself or, or just those thoughts, just, just lots of reasons popping into my head that I shouldn't be generous or that I should delay being generous. Like Michael Scott was like, well, maybe when I'm 30, maybe when I'm 40, delaying your call to be generous to another time. Reasons not to put your teaching into practice now. And if you are getting these thoughts, I just encourage you to ask, are these really from Jesus? Is this what the Spirit of God is prompting you to think? Or are they coming from somewhere else? And Lord, I just pray a prayer of protection on people now. That thoughts of the enemy uh, or just lies of our culture would not be a part of our thinking around the topic of generosity. That we would have your heart and your mind and your truth when it comes to our decisions around money and we would definitely have your heart when it comes to the way we respond to people in need. We might need to make some changes to the way we use our money, Lord. I'm sure we could all make some change. Please show us that now. Set us free from any uh, unhelpful connections we have to money. Give us a generous heart, Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.